Eagles Entertainment. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the day, and it's officially game week as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 467. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with my friend Greg Cosell, Cover a few things here. We've got big topics on the Eagles entering the regular season. We've got uh, what they, that team is going to look like on both sides of the football. We've got a new addition to talk through. Uh, Albert Okwebunam coming through uh, via trade with the Denver Broncos at the deadline. So we'll talk through that uh, with Greg and really what his expectations are on both sides of the ball before getting into this Patriots offense, Mac Jones, Ramondre Stevenson. What is this offense going to look like under Bill O'Brien? And then the Patriots defense, Bill Belichick. We've got plenty of film on what that defense probably will look like, but one of the more versatile units on either side of the ball in the entire NFL. So we're going to get into that here uh, as it pertains to this week one matchup against the Eagles. Before we get there, a couple things I want to make sure we hit on. Number one, as always, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Make sure you leave us a rating, leave us a, you know, leave us a comment, leave us a review. If you've got a question, leave it here in that section, and we'll answer it on an upcoming episode. Make sure you're subscribed uh, here to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. And then also, make sure you go check out, by the time you listen to this, it should be a day or so away. Uh, so later this week, I'm going to have my uh, opponent preview of the New England Patriots. A lot of the stuff that Greg and I are talking about when it comes to the Patriots defense for this week one matchup, I'm going to be writing an article based on that. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. Uh, I'll be posting it on my, my Twitter page as well as my other social media channels. So keep an eye out for that on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. That said, let's get to my chat with Greg. It's time now for the first of the year. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, back again for another season on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Here for Chalk Talk, my friend Greg Cosell from NFL Films. Greg, uh, this is, I, I believe, I believe this is year 10 uh, for us here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Year 10, wow. I, it's so much fun, Fran. You know, the time just goes by. I have no idea how many years it's been. Yeah, with this being 2023, I want to say this is year 10. Uh, I believe we started this in 14, in 2014, uh, the, the first year we did it. So um, uh, I'm excited. This is, this is going to be a fun year. Obviously, a lot of high hopes surrounding this Eagles team. And look, we, we've spent a lot of time talking about them all offseason. We know that this is a really talented team. They're coming off that Super Bowl run a year ago. So what I'm thinking going into this conversation, we're going to have some Eagles topics we're going to hit on, but it'll be mostly centered around this week one matchup going against the Patriots kind of t- take the temperature for us in terms of where new England is at coming into this game and, and yeah. what that could be. But I will say you were, you were out of practice a couple times here this summer uh, here at the Novacare complex. I know you were at one of the practices over at Lincoln financial field as well. Um, what were some of your thoughts just on this, on this Eagles offense uh, coming out of seeing them live uh, a couple of days here on the practice field? Well, you know, I, I think the, the other thing is I, I spent this summer you know, and you probably do a lot of the same kind of work, you know, it might be a little different for you working for a team than it is for me when I'm trying to deal with pretty much every team in the league. But, you know, I spent a lot of time this summer watching the Eagles passing game. Um, And, uh, you know, when you watch 300 dropbacks in a row or you watch situational, you you know, I watched third downs. You know, I did that kind of work. And you see things differently than during the season when you're seeing it every week and you're doing 20 other things as well. I mean, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, Um, that stuff can kind of get lost in the wash, you know, when you're watching it week to week because you're focused on what the new thing is. But uh, when you are able to kind of take stock and whether that's, you know, for me, that happens sometimes like at the bye week midseason where it's like, all right, like, let's go back and just kind of rewatch all the third downs from weeks one through seven. Right. Or something like that. And you can can get some certain insights uh, just from watching those kind of cut ups, certainly. Yeah. And, and, you know, I really, really like the Eagles offense. Uh, I like what they do. I think they have a, a tremendous understanding of Hertz, what he is, and how he impacts how defenses have to play. Um, and I think when you know when I watched a ton of Eagles, you know, pass game uh, plays and saw their concepts, you know, I would say that they really define things well. It's a clean passing game. Um, you know, it's not. And I, I spoke to a couple of coaches too about it this summer. 
it's not overly detailed, you know, the way you think of some, you know, offenses, you know, they have a 300 page playbook and, you know, that kind of stuff. The Eagles pass game is not like that. Uh, it, it's, but it's really clean in the way they present what they do, how they attack defenses. Um, they define the throws really well for Hertz, who sees those throws cleanly. Um, and, you know, I thought this year he was consistently more precise with his ball location than previous years. Obviously, he grew as a quarterback. Um, but, you know, I just I really liked what I saw. And, I, you know, now I'm thinking, OK, new offensive coordinator, but obviously Brian Johnson's been there. So there's not going to be a dramatic change. But every coach does have a new idea here and there. And as your quarterback gets more experienced, you start to think that, hey, I can add a few things because he can handle it. Um, the same receivers for the most part. They've got two outstanding wide receivers and a high, and a top five tight end in the league. So you start to think, okay, you know, there's more that we can now do. But, you know, I thought watching it overall that they had a core group of route concepts, particularly on third down, that they ran from three by one and two by two sets, some empty formations. Those concepts came from multiple receiver locations and splits. Um, it allowed Hertz, in my mind, to play, to fully understand the concepts and to play freely with, here's a term I got from a coach, which I really like, and to play freely with a quiet mind. And I think that's what you want your quarterback to be able to do. Yeah, that's certainly one of the benefits of having, as you described, a very clearly defined plan of attack in the past game is that yeah. now you're, you're when you, really when you of, agree, I know you watch them yeah. every week, obviously, in great detail. No question. I mean, that's one of the things that you love about about this offense and whether it means that they're attacking vertically down the field or for those yards after catch opportunities. That was one of the things that always stood out watching the Colts, you know, when Nick Sirianni first got hired was that, you know, they were able to really make things uh, clean for whoever the right. quarterback was. Remember that all the changes they had uh, at quarterback there with the Colts under that staff, uh, no matter who was back there, they always found ways to be able to create some of those well-defined one-on-ones for the quarterback. And again, whether it's first level, second level, or third level down the field, I think in this offense, you're able to see that. And to your point, you know, he's got a a long history with Brian Johnson, the new offensive coordinator, not just here in Philadelphia, but going back to his childhood days. Uh, to, and also you mentioned that the jump that Jalen made as a passer with his ball placement from year two to year three. Greg, I would say like that was one of my big takeaways watching him this summer here in year four for him is his his ball placement. I mean, there were very few like bad misses from Jalen right. Hurts this summer in practice. I would say that was one thing that really kind of caught my eye as well. So uh, I'm excited to see what that means for him here this fall. I think it's going to be one of the big yeah. things to watch. You know, as you know, every coach, you know, calls a play. And obviously the there's plays called that are staples that you call no matter what the defense is. And then there are plays that are obviously called based on on your anticipation of a defense. You know, if it's third and seven, you're anticipating a certain coverage pressure and you call a play that you feel will beat that. And obviously those plays have answers if it, you don't get exactly what you want. You know, I yep. mean, you don't just have a primary read and that's it. But I thought overall th this pass game was really well designed, well schemed. Um I thought they did a really good job attacking coverage. They allowed Hertz to predominantly throw to primary reads, um, you know, and he was a comfortable player. Now, again, you do have to speak to the offensive line. Um, you know, obviously during this season, there were just times where it seemed like he had all the time in the world. And that's no knock on Jalen Hurts. That's just really good all line play. Um, but, you know, that obviously really, really helps a quarterback that he knows when he drops back, he can feel secure, he can feel comfortable, he can feel confident in, in what he sees, that he doesn't have to play fast. Um, and I thought they had really good, simple answers at times to, you know, let's say I'll just give you a very simple um, example of this. Let's say you call four verticals and you're anticipating a single high cover three, which is that, that four verts is a cover three beater yep. and you end up getting a shell coverage. Well, you obviously have to have some adjustment to that because you're not just going to run four verts right into the coverage. Oh, we'll get so, them next time guys. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. And I thought, and we saw this a number of times where the, the inside receivers would then sort of bend as opposed to going vertical. And how many times did we see those routes? You know, they had, I thought they had real, subtle but easy answers for a lot of things and then that's coaching and then it's execution as well and that's the beauty of having that that scheme and having those answers within that but then also having 
AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, those are those blue chip talents that you reference. Yeah. I, I do yeah. want to ask you too about uh, a couple of guys because we know that those guys are are excellent, right? We, I just we, want to we, mention that I, I got a, a tremendous appreciation for Devonta Smith watching 300 dropbacks or whatever number of dropbacks I watched. And I'm not this is not to compare receivers who's better, Brown or Smith, you know. You know, they're both really good. That, well, let's leave it at that. Yeah. But Smith, to me, you know, I, I came away from watching Devonta Smith feeling that he's a smaller Justin Jefferson. And I'll tell you why. Because what one of the things that makes Jefferson great, and I think Smith is very similar in that regard, is the ability to cut without shortening your stride or slowing your stride. Because both guys are long-legged. And I think that is a really amazing trait because they do not have to slow down with their with their stride length in order to break. And that means they're not giving anything away yep. to a defensive back. And I and I just came away after watching all these these pass plays this summer thinking Devonta Smith is just a terrific receiver. So let me ask you about a couple of the newcomers here to the pass game. And we'll start with the number four receiver spot, uh, Olamide Zacchaeus, uh, a Philly yep. guy. Came into the league out of the University of Virginia kind of as a hybrid running back, slot receiver, uh, has stuck in the NFL with with kind of that hybrid skill set. Had a nice year last year with the Atlanta Falcons. What are, what are your what's your take on OZ and what how, how he can function within the structure of this offense? Yeah, I mean, here at NFL Films a couple of years ago, I actually did the Atlanta Falcons highlight when they had the coaching change. Yep. You know, when, when they brought in Arthur Smith. So, you know, I saw a lot of, of uh, OZ at that point. And, um, you know, he has vertical ability as well. I'm sure you went back and looked at some of his tape, you know, when yep. they signed him. Um, he's a really interesting player because he's very good run after catch. You know, you can do the screen game with him. You can get the ball in his hands. You can do jet sweeps, all those kinds of things that get the ball in his hands. Cause he's got some Zuzu to him. You know, he's very laterally quick, but that year I did that highlight. He had a lot of vertical throws. Matt Ryan was still the quarterback that year and he had a lot of vertical throws and he can, he has, you probably don't view him as a burner the way you think of, you know, the Jalen Waddles of the world, you know, giving, even smaller type receivers, but he does have the ability to run by people. And I, I thought that was a really interesting signing because clearly he's different than Quez Watkins. Right. It's, it's a different body type. And I, I, I yeah. do think the usage uh, can be a little bit different as well. I mentioned that versatility yeah. he's got in terms of his ability to be moved around the formation. And he also can be a little bit of a dirty work player as well. I mean, he's going to play special teams. He's going to give effort as a blocker. He's a little bit limited there just because of his size and frame. But I, I, the one two is certainly there. So I'm excited to see what he can kind of bring from that dimension uh, to this offense. Uh, another guy I wanted to ask you about. This was a it was just last week. Uh, Albert Okwebunam uh, was acquired yeah. via trade from the Denver Broncos. I, I know that you've been practicing on your pronunciation there. Uh, no, but, I'm, but, I'm going with I'm going with Albert O. That that works for me, Greg. Uh, look, not all of us can what, uh, what can let that go. Did he come out, Fran? He came out. I want to say it was uh, three years ago because uh, he was he was catching passes from Drew Locke. He was Drew Locke's uh, top guy. So down would he there, have been in the 2021 draft or the 20 draft? Uh, well, if you give me one second, I can look that up for you. Um, because but... I remember really liking him, and I just wanted to pull up my notes because I know I did him coming out. Right. Yeah, he um, you know, he was a guy that uh, and to me, I think if you're looking at almost um, he's a, a big bigger receiver, right? Essentially, right? Because he, he's not going to be used as a blocker all that often. Uh, you're talking about a guy who's 6'5", 258 pounds. Yeah, he came out in the 2020 draft as a fourth round pick. Um, so right. if you want to go to your notes, back in 2020, coming out of Missouri. Um, but I mean, he's a he's a very large uh, pass catcher with, with his size, be able to get down the seam. And, that, and that's where he excels. It's just being able to work the middle of the field. You can line him up around the formation. What did you see from him? What did you like from him in Missouri? And then what have you seen from him with the Broncos? Because he's had some NFL success as well. Yeah, it's funny because I, I'm, I just pulled out my notes and, you know, he ran a 4-4-9 coming out. Yeah. Um, and he's got really long arms, as you probably know. He was a three-year starter in the SEC. Um I made the point that he possesses all the physical and athletic traits you want in an NFL tight end. I didn't think he always played to that in college, but there's a lot to work with. I mean, you know, you're dealing with a guy that has good speed. Um, I think his play speed at times was a little different than his, his time speed, but he's got speed. Yeah. Um he has all the traits to be one of those movement tight ends or detached tight ends, essentially a receiving 
tight end. Um, but I, I also felt, and maybe this is one reason why he was available and and you know didn't hasn't really blossomed yet as a as a big time player, is I felt that you know he just didn't play to what his traits were all the time. And I, I made the note that he could end up being a really good player, or he could end up being a marginal player who never quite quite develops. And I guess we'll find out. But he certainly, as you and I think agree, has has the traits you look for in a, in a tight end who could detach from the formation. Yeah, and that's the thing is when you have uh, guys on your roster already at the in the depth chart already, where you have Dallas Goddard, you've got Jack Stoll, like yep. guys that can compete at the point of attack in the run game, be able to do a lot of those things. Uh, it helps when you can also factor in a guy that, yeah, okay, this guy maybe he's limited in that area, but he can really impact the game as a pass catcher. And I'm interested to see. I, I don't think it'll happen certainly week one, um, but how he is mixed into the rotation will be fascinating to watch. Here. And and you know they still have Calcaterra, right? Yes, exactly. Who and had a good summer? And, you know, as you know, I mean, you go back to when he was at Oklahoma before he sat out a year yep. and played at SMU. He's an excellent receiver. He's another one of those guys that's probably not an inline attached blocking type because yep. he didn't really do a lot of that in his career. But, you know, he's a very good receiver, too. Let's go over to the defensive side. Uh, look, some a lot, a lot of change here, right? And I think when you're looking certainly at the scheme, Sean Desai coming in, uh, so the things are going to be different from that standpoint. This is the defense that led the league in sacks last year, a, a franchise high with uh, in terms of the, their ability to get after the quarterback. But no Javon Hargrave. You insert Jalen Carter. You insert Nolan Smith. I think both the rookies, you're probably – it's going to be a little bit of a slow burn in terms of like – playing time and productivity and things like that. But right. two guys with uh, immense talent that it's just going to be fun to see how this rotation plays out. Yeah. I'm really anxious to watch Jalen Carter. Cause I think that guy has really, really high level talent. Yeah. Um, and you know, what I'm really curious to see is what their sub front looks like on third down. I mean, obviously, you know, you can play a sub front on first and 10, if the other team lines up, you know, with, a, with three wide receivers, but that can be a different front than when it's third and nine. So I'm really curious to see, Fran, what their front's going to be when it's third and nine. Um, you know, who's going to be out there? Yep. And, uh, you know, I mean, we know Reddick and Sweat will be out there, um, but is Jalen Carter going to be out there, you know, week one when it's third and nine? You know, I'm really curious to see the development of Jordan Davis because, you know, at some point, I would think he needs to play in those sub fronts. I don't know if that, you know, you would know better than I, but I think you would you would hope that he can develop into that kind of player. Well, and that's the thing is that not only is it Jalen Carter and and Jordan Davis, but you've got Milton Williams who can give you those snaps. You have Brandon Graham who can kick inside and give you those snaps. Like uh, there are you know, Fletcher Cox, obviously. There there are so many guys uh, that have that ability to line up uh, down on the line of scrimmage when it's third and nine in, in your situation yeah. uh, to be able to get after the quarterback. And so that depth uh, certainly will, will help them. And, in I, that and I'm really curious to see what they do with Nolan Smith. Because yeah. he's a really dynamic athlete. And, you know, is he simply a backup to, let's say, Hassan Reddick? Or do they see situations, um, you know, Deshaun Desai, who, and again, I, I wasn't down there enough to get a feel for what he may or may not do. But so I just know a little bit about what I read from, you know, people who are there. Um, you know, it seems like he wants to move people around a little more. So, you know, does, are there times Nolan Smith is a stand-up off the ball player? You know, I don't know. I mean, you may want to get him on the field because he's such a dynamic athlete. And, you know, he's not likely to, to beat out Reddick or Sweat as an edge pass rusher when you get into the third down situations because both those guys are really good. Um, but you may want to get him on the field somehow. And he's certainly not going to put his hand in the ground as a defensive tackle at 240 pounds. So I'm just curious to see the deployment of personnel because I think it will be different. Every coach has different, you know, a little different philosophy. And I'm, I'm very curious to see that. So let's go to the second level and you know, Nicobe Dean going into year two. Now his first year as a starter next to him, whether that's going to be Zach Cunningham, the veteran free agent who signed this summer or Christian Ellis, who is uh, within his second year uh, with the team. I guess, though, what are your expectations for Nicobe Dean uh, going into the fall? I got to be honest, I don't have a lot of expectations. I think that at this point, he's a total unknown. Um, yeah. He's been injured a lot. He didn't get any meaningful snaps a year ago for the most part. Um, he missed a lot of training camp. To me, he's a question mark. I know because he came from Georgia and because people thought he should have been taken in the first round that there's this sense that he's a stud and we all hope he is. But I think right now, if you're being fair and honest, 
it's a little bit of an unknown. I mean, wouldn't you agree? I mean, yeah, I, mean, I, I love this, co- I love this man, college yeah. tape. I, I love this college tape. So, yeah. you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I, I didn't think he had a chance to be a good NFL player. Um, I love this college tape. For some, he's an outlier because of his size. But there's a little bit of an injury history that, you know, I, I imagine is concerning to some. Um, and another guy, I'm very anxious to see how he's deployed because he was a terrific blitzer in college. Yeah. Terrific. Well, I thought that was one of his strengths, of the, no doubt. Yeah, one of the things he did really well. And I'm curious to see if that's how he's deployed at times and shown to size offense. What's your take on Zach Cunningham? This is a guy that has plenty of pelts on the wall in terms of what he's yeah. done here in the NFL, former second-round pick out of Vanderbilt. I will say what, what has stood out to me, just watching him in the preseason, uh, his length at the point of yeah. attack and his ability to defeat blocks. I mean, that that is a strength of his game in my mind. I always like Zach Cunningham. In fact, I loved him coming out of Vanderbilt. And I, I thought that I remember having conversations with some scouts who – didn't like him as much as I did, and I, I thought they were wrong. And, you know, he came in the league, and I, he was a high-tackle guy, high-volume tackle guy for a number of years. Um, got hurt a little bit, you know, as time went on. But if Zach Cunningham plays to who is to his highest level, you're dealing with a guy that's long, that's athletic, has inside-out, sideline-to-sideline range. I mean, to me, Zach Cunningham is a is a very good linebacker if he can play to to it to his best and again because he's been around the league a little bit and has had some injuries we don't know the answer to that and then uh just getting up to the third level at corner uh no huge surprises uh a couple of the young guys made it certainly and eli ricks uh mario goodrich a second year player out of clemson he makes the 53-man roster initially out of camp uh but i do want to ask you about the safety spot where reed blankenship seems entrenched as a new starter on one side really well last year yeah one of those guys that just understood everything that he was seeing, reacted really quickly, um, understood angles in the run game, understood his coverage responsibilities uh, in relation to route concepts. I I just really liked the way he played a year ago. Well, next to him in the safety group, it's been a rotation here this summer. We've seen a little bit of everybody, whether it's Terrell Edmonds, a former first-round pick from the Steelers, uh, Justin Evans, former second-round pick with the Bucs, who has bounced around a little bit but played some good football last year for the New Orleans Saints, and then Sidney Brown, this year's third-round pick. I don't know, you know, we, as we're sitting here today, you and I don't know who's going to be the starter on Sunday, right, against New England, but when you look at those three, how do you see them being able to impact the game in their own individual ways? Um, you know, Sidney Brown to some degree is an unknown because you know he's he's a rookie Rocky and you know sure. his, col- his college tape. You know, he played essentially in the box. I know Senior Bowl week. Apparently, a lot of people talked about him. You know, playing on the back end, and that got a lot of people excited because he does have great straight line speed. Yep. Um, so he certainly has speed to play on the back end if you choose to, and if you're going to play qu- quarters cover four, he can handle that for sure. Um, but he's an unknown. Um. Uh, Edmonds to me is more of a there, there's more of a defined feel to what he is because he's played in the league yes. and I think he's more of a box safety closer to the line of scrimmage but again cover four you know a lot of guys can handle that you know he's not a, a, a post safety you probably wouldn't want him playing meaningful snaps at post safety but you know he's a big body physical guy not necessarily a man to man cover guy but you know, he he's he can hit and he's physical. Yep. Justin Evans to me has always been kind of a uh an, an enigma wrapped in a riddle because I think the guy's got ability. And when I he's Texas AM, right? Texas AM and he had injuries early in his NFL career that kind yeah, of I remember watching him. him and I thought that that guy could be a quality starting safety. Do you remember yeah. him coming yeah. out? Oh, I really liked him coming out. Yeah, and you know, so I've been again, you know he's probably more disappointed than I am because it's his career, but I thought he could be a quality starting safety in the league. And, uh, you know, I wasn't there every day, but what kind of camp did he have? Uh, look, he he started the year work or started the summer working mostly with the twos and threes and then gradually started to get more and more work uh, with like the ones and twos. And again, because it was a, a, a steady rotation. So depending on the the peer, the practice period on any given day, uh, you would see, all right, uh, they're going to do team run. All right. The, the first period, it's going to be uh, Reed and Sydney Brown, Sydney Brown. And then the next the next period, they're going to do uh, a play action pass period. And it's going to be Reed and Terrell Edmonds. And the next period, seven on seven and that's when you're going to see justin evans and, and reed right? right so they 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 was a very steady rotation in the last two weeks of camp well it's interesting because last year predominantly with new orleans he played as their dime safety yep 
Um, I, you know, again, to me, and and who knows how this is going to play out. We just don't. But I think that if he were to play to his best, I think in terms of all-around ability, he's the best of the three. Now, again, I'm not there every day. I'm not charting every snap. I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not doing that. Um, but I, it would not surprise me if come Sunday he might be the starter. All right. Well, let's let's talk Turkey here for Sunday because obviously they take on uh, the New England Patriots, a rematch of uh, Super Bowl Fifty Two a few years later. Greg, uh, let's get into this Patriots offense going up against this Eagles defense, and I think we got to start with the pass game and with Mac Jones. And you yeah. and I, we've we, we've spent a decent amount of time over the last couple of weeks preparing for Eagles game plan and just talking about your segments and what you're going to break down. And uh, I think you crystallized it really, really well talking about this offense. So look, this is an offense that's going to run through the run game. Yeah, I think when you look at Ramondre Stevenson and the way they're going to, they want to be able to run things through the through the ground attack. But Bill O'Brien was brought in to maximize what Mac Jones can be. Correct. So I want to ask you. What is Mac Jones at his best? How do you view him based off what we've seen in the NFL? Uh, and even just a, a, going back to Alabama three years ago, what, what is Mac Jones at his best? Well, I think, look, Mac Jones is a certain kind of quarterback. And I think we would all, we, I think we would all agree with that, that, you know, he has a certain profile and, and to be consistently successful, what you have to do with Mac Jones is you, he needs to be protected and secure in the pocket. He needs a well-schemed passing game that defines the reads and the throws for him so he can execute within timing and structure. That's what he is. And he must be consistently precise with his ball placement. He's not a second reaction playmaker. Now, he's not a pure statue, but he's not that guy that's going to run around and make those plays where you say, wow. Um, He needs to be able to function in what we call muddied or or noisy pockets because that's what he is. He's He has to stand there and deliver the football. Um, from everything I've heard, he's a very smart guy. He understands offense. Um, he understands what you're trying to get accomplished. Um, we don't know exactly what the pass game will look like with Bill O'Brien there now, but, you know, Bill O'Brien knows everything that I just said. And, you know, I think that protection becomes absolutely critical. Yep. And again, it, for any quarterback, obviously, but he's not going to be able to function well if the protection is not good. Mm. And that's not to bounce around too much, but I think that that is going to be a little bit of a question mark for new England going into this matchup, especially because of the injuries that they have up front along the offensive line. Uh, Michael Onueno, he had ankle surgery in the off season, really didn't, didn't participate in camp really at all. uh, And it's still a little bit up in the air as we sit here on labor day uh, of whether or not he's going to be able to go. It doesn't seem like he will, but again, we're kind of waiting on updates here throughout the rest of the week. Cole strange last year's first round pick. He was the starter at left guard. He missed most of camp, and he was he returned to practice last week, Greg, but it was on a limited basis, and it, it seems like right now the word out of New England, we'll find out later this week, that they're maybe potentially platooning there at that spot as they get right. him up to speed. And so uh, they've mixed and matched pieces up front, um, but Trent Brown, he's entrenched at left tackle. Uh, I mentioned the, the issue at left guard and at right guard with Strange and with Onwenu. Uh, David Andrews, longtime center, what they're doing at right tackle is they put the rookie uh, City Sal uh, in there, who was a mostly a guard at Eastern Michigan. He was a fourth round pick this uh, this past spring, mostly as a guard. Well, they've moved him to right tackle. Riley Reef, who they signed in free agency, presumably to be the right tackle. They kicked him in for Onueno at right guard. And so they're still trying to mix and match. Obviously, they've got an idea of what that's going to look like here week one internally. But um, that, that that's going to be a question mark for them going into this game. Yeah, and this is not the defensive line you want to have a lot of question marks with your own right. line against. So, you know, that that's a big deal. So that's why in this particular game, running the ball will be critical. But again, you could also take the approach, and this is the things you don't know, how Bill O'Brien and staff see it. They could also take the approach that the best down to throw is first down at a base personnel. They've got two tight ends, um, unless the Eagles don't view Gusecki as a tight end and decide right. to play, you know, out of, out of nickel. But, you know, they have two tight ends who are very good receivers in Henry and Gusecki, um, and they, they could take that approach and feel like, hey, first down is the best down to throw. Uh, and, and, you know, sort of go against tight because, as you said, the feeling would be that, hey, the way to really get their offense in some kind of rhythmic feel is to try to run the ball. They've got Stevenson, who's a big back. They have Zeke, who's not going to be the starter, but, you know, he'll be he'll probably be worked in there and get carries. Uh, so 
who knows? They may go against type and feel like we certainly that's a better way to stay out of third and long situations. Right. I mean, to me, you're going into this if you're if you're New England and say, okay, we're going to try and get that Eagles pass rush out of the football game, and Correct. the best way to do that is with the run game. And then you mentioned just what they might do, and we don't know. Obviously, it's uh, it's of all course. conjecture at this point. <laughs> but uh, what they might do philosophically from the pass game standpoint, which uh, whether it's empty sets, uh, quick game. RPO. I, I one thing I charted because that was that's been a big discussion point up in New England this uh, off season is oh they're going to run more RPOs. That's what Mac Jones did so well at Alabama. And through the first two games, and again it's the preseason. It's a very small sample size. We know that uh, New England they called. 18% of their plays were RPOs. Last year, it was just down at 7%. They were one of the lowest in the league. So uh, expected a little bit of an uptick there You know, from a, a philosophical standpoint there. Right. But again, all with the goal of trying to get the ball out of Mac Jones' hands and again, kind of negate that Eagles pass rush. You know, and the other thing too, which raises the point of how do you play in the secondary? If you feel going into this game that foundationally the Patriots' pass game is going to be quick rhythm, quick game RPOs, your path, and again, now we're talking normal down and distance. Yeah, right. You know, obviously, yep. we're not talking third and long. You know, but if you feel that that's going to be foundationally what they do in the pass game, then your pass rush is not going to get there, and you need to have some press coverage with your corners because if you can't disrupt the quarterback, you have to disrupt the routes, right. or or you have to feel like you have a great feel for the route concepts they're going to run and and get people in the passing lanes. It's one or the other, yeah. but you have to somehow disrupt the receivers more than the quarterback because you're not going to be able to get pressure on him if the ball's out in 1.5 seconds. Well, let's quickly talk through these pass catchers because they brought in a, a couple names here. You mentioned Kasicki. He's going to be the number two tight end behind Hunter Henry. Um, but a guy that may lead this team in targets this year, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, who the Eagles yeah. saw the last time they took the field uh, this past spring against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, had a, a big game in the Super Bowl. I think when you look at Juju Smith-Schuster, yeah, okay, like you kind of earmark him as the yards after catch guy. And if he's going to be, uh, you know, if this is going to be an RPO-heavy offense, I would imagine that Juju Smith-Schuster is going to benefit from that from a production standpoint Devonte parker he's your uh idyllic uh like playmaking x receiver right kendrick Bourne, kind of that do everything uh possession type so you've got kind of like your archetypes there in this receiving core now it's just about trying to maximize what those guys can do within the structure of that offense yeah and i think that you know jones is not a big strong arm guy so you get a lot of throws in the middle of the field you want to yep. try to force him to throw the ball outside the numbers if you can uh, you want to close off the middle of the field. Smith Schuster's really good in the middle of the field. Yep. He's a big body. He's physical. He's competitive. And he's got run after catch ability. You hit the nail on the head with Parker. Parker's kind of your prototypical boundary X receiver. We've seen him have great moments in this league. He's had some great moments against the against Eagles. The Eagles I remember yeah, the right. game against Miami when he yes. was with Miami. That had to be what three, four years ago yep. Yep. at this point, where he dominated at boundary X. Um, he he's prototypical in that regard. Um, but I think, you know, Hunter Henry, another guy, not, you know, you don't talk about him as a top three or four tight end in the league, but he's been a quality tight end throughout his career. So let's we talked about the pass game, though. Let's go now to the run game. Ramondre Stevenson and you and I both we said it at the top of this discussion with the Patriots was that uh, while they're going to try and maximize what Mac Jones can do it's very likely that this offense is going to run through the run game. And they, they carried two running backs on that initial 53, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, who they signed this summer, and Ramondre Stevenson, who, to me, Greg, is he's kind of geared to be that bell cow in this offense. I agree. And he lost weight since he came out of college, and he's got yep. very light feet for a bigger guy. He's Us. still a good-sized guy, obviously. He's not 240 anymore, but he's got very light feet. Um, he can be your foundational runner. Um, you know, we'll see. You know, Obviously, when you talk about New England and what they might do week one, you know, there's no way to know. Right. So we're just, you know, we're just talking about the players as as what they are. But I mean, it's not as if he's going to get five carries, but he may not get 28 carries either. We don't know. Yep. But I think ultimately he's their foundation back. He's, you know, my guess is when they want to stabilize their offense, if they feel like they're struggling a little bit and they want to stabilize their offense, it would strike me that they would hand the ball to Reminder Stevenson. Yeah, he's not like one of those feast or famine runners. He's very efficient. He's not a dancer. Yeah. He is a he wants to get downhill. Uh, we did. I actually urge all of our all of our listeners over the summer. My uh, Ben Fennell and myself did a deep dive on Ramondre Stevenson getting ready for this game, and so we watched. I, I think it was like his top like fifty runs or something along those lines. Uh, all of his runs of like eight plus, and just kind of charted them and just kind of what were our big takeaways. And to me, Greg, to me, like his best stuff was those under center 
gap scheme runs, you know, whether power, counter, trap, sweep, ISO lead, like all of that, that stuff, that was his kind of bread and butter. Now, what is that going to mean for this new scheme? Because remember, it's a completely new offensive structure here this year with Bill O'Brien stepping in as offensive coordinator, but then also Adrian Clem coming over as the offensive line coach, and, and he was a run game coordinator last year at the University of Oregon. So that's going to be a little bit different schematically. They're going to run similar plays, but in terms of what they want to major in, right. there could be some changes there. You know, and and again, now we don't know. Are they going to run it out of base personnel? Are they going to yeah. run it out of 11? You know, one thing Bill O'Brien has always been a big believer in, and, and this does not involve the run game, but it's something that you have to prepare for because, as you know, coaches coach against coaches. You know, the the, the Eagles defensive staff is looking at what, what Bill O'Brien does. Now, obviously, they're also looking at the traits of the players, but yep. but Bill O'Brien has a long track record. And one thing that that Bill O'Brien, it, it's a staple to some degree, is is empty sets. Yep. And it's not as if you're going to run them 30 times a game, obviously, but he's a believer in that. And he's, you know, he's done clinics about how you protect out of empty and how you, you know, he's, that's, that's one of his things that he really likes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, whether he does that in this game with the O-line issues, we don't know that, but certainly Mac Jones is a guy that at his best does get rid of the ball. The ball gets out. Yeah. Uh, that's it's going to be fascinating to see just what that game plan is. Again, I, I think that trying to negate the pass rush of the Eagles, yeah. get the ball out of Mac Jones' hands, lean into his strengths, and just get that run game going. Uh, and th that seems to be like the three tent poles there for the Patriots going into this matchup. And we'll dive into it a little bit deeper uh, here in the next episode as well as I go uh, behind enemy lines for our faux focus series here on the podcast. Uh, Greg, let's wrap it up just looking at this Patriots defense and what they're going to try and do here against Jalen Hurts and and this run game uh, certainly, but. Uh, what's what's I guess when you're looking at Bill Belichick and again we're going into week one so there's some unknown here right but when you look at a Bill Belichick defense what, what's kind of the hallmark what's the at the top of the sheet here for Jalen Hurts and uh, Brian Johnson going into this game you know they are one of the most fun and frustrating defenses to watch because they use so many different personnel packages and they use personnel in different places um so, you know, when you, when I watch tape, I feel like watching the Patriots defense always takes me longer than, than other defenses because they just they, they really use a lot of different personnel. Yeah, and they've got a lot and a lot of different packages. So, you know, you, you'll see them play big nickel where they play three safeties and two corners. You'll see them play regular nickel, conventional nickel with three corners, two safeties. They'll play dime. They'll play what I call dollar with seven defensive backs. Um they put people in different positions, you know, uh, Phillips, Duggar, Peppers. You don't know where they're going to be necessarily, you know, based on the defensive call. Um, so they're, they're a really difficult defense to me to prepare for. I'm not an offensive coordinator, you know, in the league, but yep. I would imagine that they're a little difficult to prepare for, um, you know, and up front, I think they're really, really good. I think that they, they stunt really effectively. You probably noticed this watching their tape this summer. You know, Matthew Judon is a terrific player. Josh Uche really came on last year. I think one of the most underrated defensive linemen in the league is Wise. He's a really good player for them. I agree, Greg, because he's one of those guys, like, you know, I watched him coming out. And, you know, I got, I got a sense of watching him over the years, right? Because he's been in New England now for a handful of years. Um, and he's one of those guys who's like, okay, like Dietrich Wise, sure. But when you study the Patriots, you really kind of gain an appreciation for this guy oh. because he, he's so good against the run. He can win as a pass rusher inside yes. and outside. Like uh, he's not like an explosive bend the edge edge guy, but he'll turn the corner for a 285 pound guy and get home and, and gets the gets the ball back for the defense too. Like he's he's a good player. I think he's a really good player. I was again a perfect example of when you watch, you know, 150 snaps of their defense in a row, you know, this guy just really stands out. Yes. Um, and then a linebacker. I mean, you, you know, you talk about moving people around. I mean, Bentley seems to be the foundation, but they play Wilson, a former Alabama player who's moved yep. around the league, who people thought when he came out, out of Alabama would have been a much higher draft choice than he was. I think he ended up being a fifth round pick, but he seems to have found a home in, in New England. Uh, Tavai, uh, Jelani Tavai gets meaningful snaps. He yep. plays both on the ball and off the ball, as does Wilson. Yep. Um, you know, they. It, it's just really really an interesting defense and and now that they drafted gonzalez um you know out of uh, oregon uh, you know he to me he was 
the best corner prospect in the draft. I know some might disagree. That's okay. But I think clearly there's no one who would say he wasn't a top three corner prospect. And just from what little I saw in preseason, I wasn't looking necessarily at their schemes, but from what little I saw in preseason, he looked to me like he looked in college. He's smooth as silk. He's long. It didn't look difficult for him. Um, Obviously, he's got a big challenge week one going up against two, two, you know, high, high level receivers. And it'll be a really interesting challenge. Um, But, you know, I, I really like Gonzalez and we'll see how much pure man bill belichick plays last year they played more cover three than in previous years maybe because he didn't feel like he could match up on the outside um but we'll see maybe gonzalez will lead him to believe he can do more you know cover one as opposed to cover three well and that's the thing is that what christian gonzalez brings that cornerback room that they didn't really have before was size you know you look at those other guys i mean uh, you know jonathan jones and marcus jones and jack jones uh all these guys are 511 below uh so just getting a guy in there and gonzalez who uh is 6'2 205 uh just gives them a dimension they did not have when they want to try and play man-to-man coverage um and you mentioned just the the volume of players Uh, i just rattled off the 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 jones triplets there but you look at gonzalez you look at duggar and adrian phillips Jalen Mills, Sean Wade, Miles Bryant, Jabril Peppers. I mean, they, they play and they play all of these guys. And so, uh, and all the different groupings, that's not even factoring in. Um, you, know, you have Duggar, but then also Marte Mapu, the rookie third round pick who was banged up for most of the, the early part of preseason, but for all intents and purposes, like had a great summer in camp. And they they think he's going to be like a, a factor here for them in their sub package, uh, which is their base defense. I mean, they play more dime or dollar than anybody in the NFL. And no so, question. Yeah, and then- that's a big part of what they do. The reality is, friend, no one knows right now except the Patriots what they're going to do on Sunday against the Eagles in terms of their packages and their different groups. I'm very curious to see who was their predominant post-safety because obviously McCourty was there for years and years and years and was really good. Um, You know, to me, Duggar and Phillips are not that those guys. Is Jalen Mills now the post safety? Is that is he the guy? Because if you just look at the roster of DBs, it would strike me that he's best suited and he may not even be prototypical, but he would be best suited to be the post safety in their single high coverages. If you're looking at the four safeties uh, you know, on the depth chart, you would say that's probably the best guess, right? Because Duggar, because Duggar, he was such a playmaker for them a year ago to, to remove him from that role. But not, I think, but but not the, as a post safety. He was well, a playmaker. I mean, like, right, you know, right. Keeping him at the second level, you know, or where right. he's able to match up on backs and tight ends. He can be a factor against the run, a really good blitzer, a good disguiser underneath. No like, question. You want to you keep him there. Uh, so now I think it becomes down. All right. Well, is it Adrian Phillips? Is it Jabril Peppers? Who's or not is a it post Jaylen safety Mills? either, Adrian Phillips. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's probably is going to be Jalen Mills uh, as that as that starting post safety uh, when they go into those single high looks, which again you mentioned like they played more cover three and they love to play cover one. Well, that's your you need, I mean, a, you need a post safety in those. Yeah, for the most part, a single high defense. Yep. Although, without having numbers in front of me, it struck me that they played more split safety a year ago um, than they had in previous years because I never thought of Belichick as a split safety coach. Certainly not in recent years. They were actually uh, fifth. They were fifth in the league in cover two percentage a year ago, Greg. To your no, point, I was going to say yeah. it was yep. clearly on tape that they played more split safety. Yeah, they, they still played a lot of a lot of cover one, uh, a lot of cover three. Uh, there was over fifty percent single high, but they played more cover two than than typical, yep. and they were they led the, one of the. Well, don't forget the their pass rush as the year progressed was it was really real i mean i think they were second or third in the nfl in sacks they they had a really good pass rush well you made, made the point earlier about stunts i mean they had more sacks on stunts than anyone in the league last year they, their stunts were phenomenal uh, and they often had multiple stunt concepts within the same play and the way they got to certain stunts i mean i know from doing the matchup show when we would do you know try to do defensive plays the patriots always gave us some really cool stuff to do because they were really good with their stunts and it was defined and they broke down protections um you know it's going to be interesting because look i assume cam jurgens is the starting right guard is he not that's what it seems yes correct they're going to go after him. I mean, as they should. That's what football, you know, you go after the guy the first with the least back. experience. Yep. That's yep. the way it works. They're going to go after him, and they're going to have to make him think through all that. Yeah. Uh, one thing they, they do an excellent job of is just, you know, basically cutting the offensive line in half. So, all right, we're going to occupy yep. the center with whether it's a nose tackle or a linebacker mugged up on him. We're going to occupy the center. So take Jason Kelsey's eyes away. And now it becomes two on two. Uh, and you've got to right. make sure that you're, you've got your, your assignments buck, uh, buttoned up from a, uh, from passing off those stunts and being able to handle that. And when you've got two guys in Matthew Judon and you mentioned Josh Uche, who came on last year, those two guys are, are, are loose. Uh, Judon, 
Usman is a little bit longer than Uche. Uche is a little bit more compact. He's a he's like 6'2", 250 or 245. Uche, right? the last six, seven games last year was really good. Really explosive. He's got yeah. so much range. And so when you've got him and Judon, uh, what they would often do is like, all right, we're going to put one guy on one side, one guy on the other. We're going to run stunts on both sides, and, and good luck. You, you make sure you can hold up. And, and the other thing they do really well and you have to be aware of is often some of their stunts – what, the looper was a second-level guy. It could be yes. Wilson. It could be Tavai. Bentley, at Bentley, Bentley did, at times, yeah, was Bentley used a as lot. a looper. Yep. So, I mean, they do a lot of things that, you know, you, it's a real mental game when you do this. I mean, it's, you know, obviously the Eagles have a really good O-line with the only question being in right guard because it's a new player. But, you know, it, it's a real mental game when you play the Patriots. Uh, and I will say, too, you mentioned going through the preseason and just kind of, you know, just seeing how some of these guys were executing. One guy who flashed. And, you know, we'll see what his role is early on, certainly in week one. But their second-round pick, uh, their second pick after they took Gonzalez, Keon White uh, out of Georgia Tech, really flashed in the preseason. Some huge collisions how, on how, ball carriers. Explosive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. To me, he's going to be a factor in this rotation. It's a matter of, like, how much does that look like here for Sunday? But, uh, right. I mean, Chris, Christian Barmore has come on, a former second-round pick out of Alabama. Uh, he, he looked really good last year. And so um, this, this defensive front, is very multiple, as you mentioned. Uh, they run a, a ton of those stunts, and, and they come at you with speed as well because, again, you, you mentioned uh, how much they play dime and dollar. They had more sacks out of dime personnel than anybody. They had 35 sacks playing out of dime last year, Greg. So, I know. Uh, yeah. uh, this is a team that, that comes at you in a lot of different ways. So it's going to be very much an assignment kind of day for Jalen no Hurts and that offensive line. Yeah, so it's. I mean, I I find that side of the ball to be a super intriguing matchup. And who knows? Maybe the Eagles go up there and put up thirty five, and we go, "Wow, the Eagles are great," you yeah. know. But uh, but it's still a tough. You know, it's it's a tough week of practice and and mental work for the Eagles this week. The last ask, the last question I've got for you, and it's something I think is important for us to touch on, and I think you're going to cover this for Eagles game plan this week, is what you think Bill Belichick's uh, plan of attack will be just going up against a player like Jalen Hurts in, in terms of his mobility and his ability to impact games both as a, as a thrower outside the pocket but then also as a runner. When you look back at the way Belichick uh, typically approaches those kinds of games, what are you expecting to see from him? Yeah, I mean, I went back and looked in detail. They played the Ravens week three last year. They played the the uh, um, Bears, I think it was week seven. Because, uh, you know, again, not that it's an exact replica, but clearly those are quarterbacks that can make plays running out of the pocket. You know, if they feel things are breaking down, they can make those second reaction plays. You know, and there were times they used a spy. Um, and, and I think you'll see that at times. Yep. I think when you see them play, you know, man coverage, they'll key the back and the other and the other second level player who's not matched man to man on the back will, in a sense, be in a position to spy. Um, but I think that they'll have um, uh, concepts, whether you want to call it lurk or robber, where they'll have someone in position to deal with Jalen Hurts. Now, whether that means they stop him, that remains to be seen. Yep. But I think Belichick. Let's put it this way. The guy who's going to do that is not going to be a 280-pound defensive lineman. Right. You know, Belichick will not do that. That's a waste of time, um, and he knows that. So it's either going to be you know, a, 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 an athletic linebacker like a, like a Wilson, or it's going to be one of the safeties. You know, It's going to be someone who is a relative athletic equivalent. Hmm. And that's the thing is that you start getting into having that amount of speed on the field with the, you know, the quote unquote positionless players, those guys that are so versatile that we, that we've already talked about. If you're able to, Hey, we're going to, you know what, we're going to play man to man and we're going to have a couple sets of eyes on, on Hertz. Otherwise we're going to try and cloud the picture with their disguise. They're one of the better disguised defenses yep. in football, right? So uh, one high looks looking at too high and vice versa. We're going to try and mix up the looks cause Jalen Hurts to panic, try and break the pocket, and that's where our guys can kind of rally to the ball. You have your spies there. That's kind of the formula for success, especially I when you get the third talking, down. I remember talking to a defensive coach years ago, and I wish I could remember who it was, in talking about how they went about playing Michael Vick when he was, mm. you know, with Atlanta, when he was, you know, ran a lot. And he said something that always stuck with me, and, and now I can't remember the coach, but it was a really well-respected guy. And he said, when you play guys that can run, one thing you really want to do, and it and it can work if you execute it properly, is you force them to their strength. Okay, which sounds like it's it's counterintuitive, you know, because you know how Jalen likes to run. You study enough tape, you know how he likes to leave the pocket. Okay, 
you force him to his strength where he feels really comfortable, and then you have someone else someone there. who's in perfect position to take away that strength. Yep. You know, and again, it's easier said than done when you have a really good player like Jalen Hurts and a great athlete and a very intuitive, smart player. But you know, you still have to line up and play. You know, mm. the Patriots will show up on Sunday. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a fascinating matchup on that side of the ball in particular, you know, strength versus strength uh, yeah. here in this game. Well, uh, Greg, a week from now, it'll be next Monday. You and I will be breaking this film down uh, during the day, and we'll get together Monday night for a podcast that can be shared with our listeners for Tuesday morning. Excited for the season to get going. Excited for you uh, going into what is this? Uh, what, what year is this now for you at Films? 44, my 44th 44. season. Look at that. We'll blow out all those candles on that cake. and we'll, Are you uh, even 44 we'll, we'll, years old, Fran? No, we're not going to get into exactly what that <laughs> is. It's, uh, I'm 37 now, 37. So uh, yeah. you got me, you got me by a few years uh, in terms I of do. your, so your I started here before you were even born. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it's uh, it's going to be fun for another season. I'm excited to get things going here and get, and get into the regiment uh, of the regular season. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, Greg, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Grant. All right, so great stuff there from Greg, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. And you know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That's one way to support the show, but the best way is to go to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. I want to give a shout-out today to someone who did exactly that. ERDJKD left a five-star review just saying how much they love the podcast and how much they love the post-game show on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles YouTube page. And I just wanted to say that will be a part of the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast feed here this season. You may have noticed already from the preseason, but uh, myself... Ike Reese and Marissa Pilla, we will be hosting the post-game show every single week here throughout the fall, and that show will be present here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast feed. Excited uh, for things to get underway, like I said with Greg. Excited for the regular season to be here. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of content coming to you here on this feed as well as over on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the Eagles YouTube page. Great hearing from ERD. Thanks so much for the five-star review. Thanks so much for the comment, and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our X's and O's content here at Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later this week.